You're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Verse 20 finishes with, And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The last two years, I think you would be, we'd have to agree that we haven't had a lot of guarantees, have we? We haven't had a lot of guarantees. You know, we haven't, oh, it got to a point when you couldn't even guarantee that there, you know, you'd be going to work tomorrow because there was lockdowns that would just happen like this. <laughs> there, was, there was one point at which I remember just, Someone sent me a message, they're like, oh yeah, there's going to be a lockdown at 3 p.m. today. And I'm like, are you serious? It's 11 o'clock. Like they used to give us like a week's notice or they at least let like rumours circulate for a while to prepare us. Now it's just like, nah, there's a lockdown happening in three hours. You're like, okay, awesome. Thank you for that. It's been hard to figure out a guarantee of anything really, isn't it? You know, I think every single one of us had a plan and we had to change it about 20 million times. Huh. Anyway, so yeah, there's, a, a famous, there's a famous line from, a, from an old movie that I, my dad always used to quote, um, and, he, and the, it was the, the hero of the story would say, if you want a guarantee, buy a toaster. I wonder if you know what film that's from. Um, I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know if I recommend it. I don't think I've seen it. Anyway, but here's a guarantee for us today in the scripture that we look at. Here's a guarantee. Do you want the guaranteed active presence of Jesus Christ, the Son of the Most High God, to be at work in your life every day? Do you want that guaranteed? It's a pretty good thing, talking from experience. Our passage today has Jesus promising that when you follow his way of life, And when you walk in the great commission that he calls his disciples to this day, he guarantees that, behold, I will be with you always until the end of the age. Until the end of the age means forever and ever. Amen. Until the end of the age. So today I really want us to think about practically how do we live out this great commission in obedience to Christ so that we are living in and with and journeying with Jesus Christ. I want us to be thinking about how we can be as a people who are proclaiming the excellencies of him who drew us from darkness and into his wonderful light. I want us to be thinking about today how we as individuals and us corporately are salt and light to the community around us, giving people something hopeful to look forward to, but also being the saltiness that makes things taste better, but also preserves what is good. How is it that we can be a city on a hill that stands out for the world to see? 
It was Charles Spurgeon, he said, he said this, it's quite confronting, but I think it's helpful. Every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. Now, granted, as we do, uh, as we do think about this topic today, um, we, do, we do have to acknowledge and say, hey, look, not everyone is going to be a gung-ho, mega-evangelist, Billy Graham type that can turn every single conversation into a conversation about Jesus and God and the Bible within three seconds of meeting a person. There are people that actually do have that spiritual gift. You know, not every person has the job description where it says, do the work of an evangelist. That is, that is a, a select few. But every Christian is called to be someone that is able to point people to and give an answer to the hope that they profess because of what they have experienced in the life of Jesus Christ. So hopefully today we'll be able to have some practical hooks or we'll be better equipped at thinking about how we can be missionaries to the world around us, to the surf coast. So I want to think about that with under two main headings today, two main headings. That being a missionary to those around us, that being salt and light, is a lot, it's a lot about what the world sees from us, sees from or of us, and then also hears from us. Sees of us and hears from us. And as we did last week, we'll open up for some questions, which is terrifying, but maybe you'll have some questions to clarify some more of what we get to talk about. So... Being a missionary is what the world sees of us and hears from us. Let's have a think about what the world sees of us, what the world sees of us. Hey, this one is really important for the day and age in which we live today. Uh, You go back sort of 20 years time and a lot of the main apologetic or sort of reasoning people towards the Christian faith was in the conversations that we'd have. You could go do a course on apologetics. You can go to a lot of op shops now and buy books called Christian Apologetics, which is about how to have a conversation because people have these really specific questions that they want to know or else I'm never going to follow Jesus. Look, that's still a thing for a lot of people, but more today, the cultural apologetic is less about can the Bible answer my questions and more about, hey, look, does the teaching of the Bible actually work? That's just the day and age that we're in. Now, a really helpful quote I think that sort of sums this up in terms of what the world sees of us is everywhere you go, preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. Everywhere you go, preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. It's a really helpful quote in thinking about what the world sees of us. Martin Luther said that every Christian is to be Christ to the unbeliever. I wonder how your life is showing off Christ. Or I wonder what it is about Jesus that you find attractive that you want to reflect to the rest of the world. Now, there's a a lot of uh, things that we could say about how it is that we are being Jesus to the people around us. There's a lot of things that we could talk about in our lives representing the one who has saved our lives. But just to narrow it down, and because I know that you're worried that I'll preach for three hours, I'm going to narrow it down to three. Three countercultural missional atom bombs for your life to bear witness to Jesus Christ. Three ways, our rest, our joy, and our security. 
This is what we want the world to see in us as followers of Jesus, that will be attractive to the world, our rest, our joy, and our security. If you're someone that's responded to the gospel of grace, if you're someone that knows Jesus as Lord and Saviour, knows that good news, you will have a life that this world looks upon as a life of rest. Soul rest. As the psalmist writes, be still and know that I am God. Doesn't say be busy and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. New York pastor John Tyson writes, a restful spirit is a spirit of warfare in a culture of exhaustion. So that makes me think a lot about, you know, what is it that we, that we see a lot in our culture today? Our culture is just so tired, isn't it? People are strung out, worn out. You know, it's every single conversation. Oh, how you been? Yeah, how you been? Oh, you're busy. Busy? You're so busy. Like I, last year, like I made it like one of my things. It was like a personal goal. When someone asks me how I am, I'm not going to say busy because like that just frustrates the heck out of me. So I don't want to frustrate other people. Sorry, if you say that to me, I won't be annoyed at you. I'll just be like, oh, well, they're just, you know, they're busy. But imagine if, imagine if, you know, people were like talking to us and being like, hey, so um, how you been? And you're like, oh, mate, if I could just sum up my existence in just one word, it'd just be like, Margin. Be like peace. Like what is, what do you got that I don't have? Disciples of Jesus Christ, you know, we should be, they should be the most restful and easygoing people in the world. Why is that? Well, Jesus teaches us that we don't need, we don't need to worry about tomorrow. Oh, wait a minute, Louis, what, can, you, can you say that? Yes, I can, because Jesus did. I'm just, don't shoot the messenger. You don't need to be worried about tomorrow. You don't need to be anxious about anything. But by prayer and supplication, present your request to God. Like, let Jesus know how you're feeling. And the peace of God, which transcends understanding, will guard your hearts by faith. Disciples of Jesus Christ, they can, have, they can walk in a spirit. They can float along in this. You can in a, in, a, in a posture of absolute restfulness because if God is for us, who can be against us? Disciples of Jesus Christ have been given the gift of God's Holy Spirit, which is always with us. Our counsellor, our power, our peace. Like people pay big bucks to go and see a psychologist or a psychiatrist or a counsellor and they wait two weeks before they can get in and then they sit there for 45 minutes and I, I don't know, do you lie on a bed? I'm not sure. It's been a while since I've been. Um, we have access to the Holy Spirit. We have access to prayer to be able to come into the very presence of God because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. And we're like, oh, God, this is, can I just chat to you about what I've, what's, what I've got going on at the moment. A restful spirit, a restful spirit. We're not, we're not striving for acceptance from the world. We don't have to. 
we have the love and acceptance and peace with the one who made the world. A restful spirit. Now, I just love, you know, I can't talk about this without pointing to Jesus in all of this. Jesus sums this up so perfectly, you know, as we conform to the image of Christ. When you look at the life of Jesus, he never runs anywhere. You read the Gospels, it's like there's never, I haven't, I'm yet to find the verse. And then Jesus ran off to try and do the thing that he needed to do. No, he's just walking everywhere. There's one time where his best mate is going to die and he's just like, oh yeah, I'll just chill here for three days first. A restful spirit is a spirit of warfare in a culture of exhaustion. Now, all of these things might be really nice for me to say, but Louis, hey, you're probably asking, Louis, how do I increase my rest? How can I be a restful person to be a witness of the power of the gospel? Well, just let me say, lean in to the gospel. Lean in to the gospel to know that rest, to know the power of the gospel. Keep remembering and rehearsing the gospel. Remembering that Jesus is with you. You can keep on rejoicing. You don't have to be worried about anything. Keep gospeling yourself and remember that the work is finished. Jesus Christ has atoned for, atoned for your sins, redeemed your soul. That you are now in this eternal relationship with the creator of the world. And he has everything covered. If he's taken care of your most necessary need, which is the destination of your soul for eternity, he'll take care of every single one of your little needs. If you need more rest, lean into the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, so to be a little bit practical today, do you want more reading on this? Well, I've got one good book recommendation. Um, I've got a good book here. Um, it's called The Bible. Haha, uh-huh, very funny. Also, some other books that I can commend to you. Uh, Beautiful Resistance by John Tyson and The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Homer. Um, I'd love to commend those readings to you to keep thinking about those, that point, which is a sermon in of itself. So I thought about rest in terms of what the world sees of us. What about joy, our joy, the joy that a Christian has in being a witness to the glory of the gospel and discipling the world? The psalmist writes that in his presence is fullness of joy. Not just a little bit of joy, not just a bit of joy that's going to wear off after the shiny thing is now a dusty old thing. Fullness of joy. Jesus is our joy. Our eternal security is our joy. The spark, joy is the spark that comes from knowing that our hands, that our lives are safe in the sovereign hand of the Most High God. Our joy comes from knowing that even what we call failures in his divine plan for salvation, he uses that for our good. Now, I said this about rest, but hey, followers of Jesus, disciples of Christ, we should be the most joyful people in all the world. Shouldn't we? I think we should. I once was lost but now I'm found. Come on. I once was blind, but now I can see. I once was a slave to sin, but I've now become set free and now I'm a slave to righteousness. 
I once was not a child of God, and now I'm a beloved child of the Most High God. That's joy. That's joy that surpasses understanding. Do you know that joy? Have you met Jesus and tasted and seen that the Lord is good and experienced that fullness of joy? If you want more, let me encourage you to lean into the gospel, to remember and to rehearse the gospel. Look to the life of Jesus Christ. So one of my favourite verses we see in Hebrews, it says about Jesus, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. <laughs> Even in the worst circumstance, Jesus' joy was still, Jesus was still living in the will of God and that was his joy. He endured the cross for the joy set before him. That tells me that if I'm being conformed into the image of Christ, that I'm following in the footsteps of Christ, that if I'm walking with Jesus Christ, that even through the, the hardest of life's circumstance, there is an eternal and unquenchable joy that cannot be touched by anything in this world because I'm safe with him. Like, let me tell you, like, if you're about to go to crucifixion, there's a lot right there in that sentence to be like, you know what, I'm not quite feeling joyful right now. But Jesus Christ had the way as he walked in the will of the Father. A joyful spirit can be something that bears witness to and is a herald to the world of the good news of the gospel that can make disciples of all nations as people will ask you, what is the hope that you have that I don't? What is it about you that it is that, that I don't have? Again, if you'd like to do some more reading on this to understand a little bit more of the joy that we can have in Jesus, let me, let me encourage you with a few books to be able to continue reading. The first is the Bible. The second, that I, the other two, uh, you can read uh, Desiring God by John Piper, highly recommended. There's also Truth on Fire by Adam Ramsey. And if you miss all these books, I'll be sending out, I'll send them out in the email, church email later on this week. Last, certainly not least, what is another way of keep preaching the gospel and if necessary, use words? It can be our security in Jesus Christ, our security in Jesus Christ. And now I think this is really significant because I think if you were to sum up the world right now, in one word, it would be insecure. <laughs> insecure. Now, I'm not just talking about my own generation of millennials stuck on TikTok and Instagram reels, but right now, so many of us are so insecure. But the follower of Jesus, uh-uh, nope. The psalmist writes, God, you alone are my rock, my rock, and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. Disciples of Jesus Christ, we are the most secure people in this whole world. Identity is secured. Found in Christ. Death is conquered. We don't worry about death. 
God's personal, active, living presence with us every day. Like he's you know when a little kid is like, oh, I'm scared. And then they go run, they grab their mummy or their daddy's hand and they're okay. That's us, as followers of Jesus, walking with our best friend, Jesus Christ. Chilling on the beach with our best friend, Jesus Christ. And we are also secure in that we also have a practice rhythm of confession and repentance, don't we? So you don't let that one dodge your thinking in terms of our security, but Christians can be so secure because we're all, we, we can so freely admit where, we, where we've gone wrong. Like that doesn't, we don't have to hide that. We don't have to let that take control of our lives because we've given up that to God, knowing that's been taken care of by Jesus Christ. I think so much of the insecurity that we feel today is that everybody is wearing a mask. How's your day? Oh, yeah, yeah, good, 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 good. If only they knew. That's something beautiful about the church, something beautiful about personal relationship with God. No masks. He takes us as we are. Because we are all saved by grace through faith, we can all accept each other as we are. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. A spirit of security is a powerful apologetic and witness witness to this world. So let me encourage you, if you, don't, if you are feeling a little bit insecure, let me encourage you to remember and to rehearse the gospel. Lean into the gospel. Remember what Jesus said to us, his disciples, just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. Beautiful, beautiful top-down power, secure in God, And Jesus is secure himself and we can be secure around others, secure in this world, even to death. And for Jesus, that was even death on a cross. Do you want to think more about your security in Christ? Well, let me me encourage you some more reading on the topic that perhaps will help you. The first book that I'd love to encourage to you is The Bible. Two other books that would be, I think, would be a great benefit. A book called Deeper by Dane Ortland, and a book, a, de- a, sa- a devotional in the Psalms by Tim Keller called My Rock, My Refuge. So, a really helpful saying in thinking about how we can be witnesses of the gospel and disciple makers in this world. A really helpful saying is. Whatever you do, wherever you go, preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. So much of our witness and so much of our proclamation is what the world sees of us. And it's a change that's happened in our hearts because of what Jesus has done and the security we have in him. Let me tell you, if you're here today and you don't know that rest, you don't know that joy, you don't know that security, keep on coming. We'll keep preaching the gospel to you every week. We've got answers to your questions or we can at very least point you to the one that does. That is what the world sees of us. 
But also, we need to be thinking about what the world hears from us. What the world hears from us. Because there's a really unhelpful quote when it comes to, about, when it comes to our Christian witness. There's a really unhelpful quote which sometimes I find difficult to reconcile when it comes to our evangelism and our missional going as followers of Jesus. There's a really unhelpful quote. And that unhelpful quote is, everywhere you go, preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. You see, that I think it's a helpful quote and also a very unhelpful quote. I'm reminded of a story. There was a fella, he was uh, working for this organisation and he had a boss who was, he was a Christian man, but he didn't know that. The boss just, tr- or he just tried to live a, 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 a moral and upright Christian life and he would treat his employees as he felt Jesus would treat his employees. He was forgiving and he was merciful and he was gracious. And he did all of that because he wanted to represent Jesus Christ well, but he never communicated the fact that the reasons why he treated his employees that way was because he'd been treated by Christ in that way. Now, one day there was an employee in this company and he, he actually, you know, he, he was introduced to Jesus by one of his friends and he started going to church and his life got changed and turned around and as a natural result, he wanted to tell his friends and his work colleagues that he'd become a Christian, to become a follower of Jesus. He was now a disciple of Christ. And one day the, it came up in conversation with his boss And his boss said, oh, great, that's wonderful news. I'm so thankful to hear that, brother. I'm also a Christian. And do you know what this employee said to his boss? You're the reason I never became a Christian in the first place. I thought that I could just have a really... I thought I could be a person that you always were because I didn't think that it was the reason was Jesus. I just thought you were a nice guy and I just needed to try and be a nice guy. I didn't know I needed to put my trust in Jesus Christ. Why didn't you tell me this sooner? You're the reason that I hadn't come to Christ earlier. I thought I could do it in my own strength. So not only does the world need to see the gospel in us, it needs to hear the gospel from us. That is modelled to us first and foremost by Jesus Christ because he just doesn't come and live a righteous life and not say anything. The very first words out of his mouth in the gospel according to Mark is repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus says to us, as the Father sends me, so I am sending you. And Jesus came preaching and teaching. He came declaring I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to God except through me. And then he sends us to say, he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to God except through him. Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. There will be times. There should be times where we will have conversations with our friends and say, mate, look, unless you actually turn around and go Jesus' way and say sorry for the way that you've dishonored him, it's not going to go well for you. Jesus' command is to be on mission. 
But it's not only just a command, there's two other very good reasons why we are on mission and why we should be opening our mouths to our friends and to our family and to our work colleagues and to those around us. There's two other very good reasons. The first one is because we care. Do you care? Do you care about the eternal state of those that you love? I was really challenged by this quote by Penn Gillette. Penn Gillette, he's one of the magicians in uh, the Penn and Teller uh, duo. Penn Gillette, he is a, a confessed atheist. But he says this, he said this in an interview about Christians and their evangelism. He said, I don't respect people who don't proselytize, that is, share their faith and try and convert people. I don't respect that at all. If you believe that there is a heaven and a hell and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life or whatever, and you think it's not really worth telling them because it will make you feel socially awkward, how much do you have to hate somebody not to proselytize? How much do you have to hate someone to believe everlasting life is possible but not tell them about that? Now, I trust right now you're feeling as challenged as I was when I first heard this quote. It made me think, is my faith just a personal thing? Or is this an everyone thing? Because I think the more that we understand and lean into the gospel, the more that we understand what we've been saved from, we want to tell. We need to tell. Christ sought us out so that we would not have to go to an eternal punishment and death. He saved us from hell. So we have to ask ourselves, do we really care about how others are going to spend their eternal state? Do we care? And I think we all do. I think we genuinely do. We just... We just buy into a bunch of lies and we don't say anything. So living out the gospel, the Great Commission is because it's a command from Jesus, it's because of a care of others. And lastly, and I think our greatest motivation is it's a compulsion, isn't it? It's a compulsion. We aren't the saviour, Jesus is, and the saving is free. The good news of the message of the gospel, it's, it's free. The free gift of eternal life to all who believe. Today, today is the day that you can call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. You who are hungry, there is free bread over there in the bread of life that is Jesus Christ. You who are sick, there is healing in the personal work of Jesus Christ. You who are lost, you can be found because of the personal work of Jesus Christ. You who are tired, you who are weary, you can go to him who says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. We're compelled to tell people about this. Like there's websites on the, at the moment. Like you can go on a website and you can be like, there's, it's, it's like my deal. There's 40% off towels at Harris Scarf and it ends up on Facebook community notice page because everyone's cheap towels. And Jesus comes offering the free gift of eternal life. And we don't tell anyone. We get nervous. Like, holy moly, man, who cares about your towels? We love telling people about good news, good deals. The gospel is a good deal. It's a great deal.
So how can we be doing this? How can we be telling people? Well, two principles that I just want to leave you with today. Hopefully there's one that is helpful for you. I want us to, I want us to think about how we are people that are finding the people of peace and also people that are consistent in our relational opportunities. I want us to be a, a church where we can be finding the people of peace and consistent in our relational opportunities. So the first principle, finding the people of peace. Um, I want to read for you Luke 10. Luke 10 is when Jesus sends out the 72 disciples to go and tell them that the kingdom of God is at hand. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said, he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house, whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. What's Jesus teaching there? I think a lot is basically as Jesus sets up his 72 to go ahead of him, to prepare the way of the Lord, to begin to call people to the kingdom. Jesus is just saying, look for the receptive audience. And you don't have to persevere with the non-receptive audience in your evangelism or in your mission or in your heralding. It says in the words of Henry Blackaby, he said, find where God is already working and join him in it. Find where God is already working and enjoy him, enjoy him, enjoy him, enjoy him with it. Basically, you don't have to flog a dead horse when it comes to your evangelism and mission. <clears throat> I am um, a helpful, a helpful way that I think about this in everyday life, and the way that I want to point people to Jesus is I will leave what I would call breadcrumbs in conversations and just see what people pick up on. So you could be in a conversation. Hey, how was your weekend? Hey, how was your weekend? Oh yeah, I spent some time with church. Now, I would say a, peop a person of peace or people of peace would be like, if they're, if they're not yet a follower of Jesus, be like, they will go, oh, tell me about that. Tell me about church. There'll be an interest. Okay, there'll be a, there'll be, they'll, they'll want to engage on that. A person not of peace will very quickly change the topic because it's just like, I don't want to hear about you stupid church thing that you do. Um, I don't, not, not everyone says that to me, but it's happened. And anyway, you can leave breadcrumbs in conversations because our evangelism as followers of Jesus is in the confidence that God has already gone ahead of us and that his Holy Spirit is already working in the hearts and minds of people in the world that we're about to encounter. And every single encounter that we have with someone that's longing to hear the gospel of the good news of Christ, God has already done a lot of work before you get there. Trust me in that. It's not just us. As Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, God gave the growth. We have no idea at what point we enter into someone's life to be a messenger in that moment. You've already heard stories before of just, just crazy answers to prayer that God wants to answer through us by just being obedient. And just by, just by being, don't, don't be like crazy overt. You know, when we share our faith, the Bible says do it gently, says do it lovingly. We're not going to whack anyone over the head with the Bible. 
but we can be the people of peace that can leave a breadcrumb in conversation. Or it, it, maybe you don't have to say anything, but it can be a conversation starter. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a, a, a sticker on the back of your phone. Maybe it's a pin on your collared shirt. Maybe it's the type of shirt that you might like to wear. There's lots of ways that we can give someone an opportunity who already is thinking about eternal things to go, oh, hold on, I've seen joy in you, I've seen security in you, I've seen a restful spirit in you, you've already mentioned this Jesus character once in your life, I'm going to pick up that breadcrumb and then you can see where that goes. And we do that trusting that there's, the people, there's people of peace out there. Uh, the last two weeks I've been so encouraged by in the book of Acts, uh, Paul the Apostle is going on in his missionary journey and then he has a vision from God and God says to him, he says, like, take heart, there's many who are my people in this city in which you're about to go. It's basically God saying the Great Commission all over again, go and get them, they're there. They just need someone to tell them about Jesus and point them in the right direction, you're that someone, let's go. Leave some breadcrumbs. Two helpful books, three helpful books on this in terms to encourage you in finding people of peace and having your conversation seasoned with salt. The first book I'd like to recommend is the Bible. Thank you. And then there's two others by Sam Chan, Evangelism in a Skeptical Age, and also a book called How to, How to Talk About Jesus Without Being That Guy, which is an awesome title. And another book uh, for those that are in a vocational settings called 40 Rockets by Craig Josling, uh, which gives some ways of finding people of peace and being a little, just a little bit overt in our faith to have those opportunities. Now, finding the people of peace is, is less about like a reactive moment in time type of conversation that hopefully goes somewhere to point someone to Christ and to share the gospel with them. The one is more about playing the long game. And that's one that I was talking about, consistency for relational opportunity. I would love to encourage us to be a people that have a rhythm that cultivates relationship with the people around us in the community that we're in. Uh, for Esther and I, when we first moved down to Torquay, uh, we wanted to have some sort of regularity to our life so that we would create ongoing encounters with people so that hopefully as we find those people of peace, we've already got these moments to keep having conversations of significance with them that hopefully turn into deeper, more significant relationships. Now, this can be really simple as just being like, I'm just going to go to the same cafe for a few months at the same time to get to know the staff there so they can get to know me and so that we can have a conversation of significance. I'll leave a few breadcrumbs in that conversation. Maybe it's going to the same shops at the same time so you get to see the same staff. Maybe it's going to the same surf spot at the same time regularly and being willing to talk to people and just being nice, being friendly. You know, it's, it's, people are dying for conversation. People are dying for relationship right now. We just spent the last two years looking at a screen for our relational connection for crying out loud. People, people want friends. I wish this wasn't the case, 
but so, so often I've had been, we've, Esther and I have had people over for dinner that have come from just a regular relational rhythm of life. And the story was, oh yeah, I've been in, been in Torquay now for about two to three years, or actually sometimes even longer, four years. And uh, yeah, I just don't really have any friends. That's so sad. That's so sad. We can be their friends. And then we can, then we can introduce them to the greatest friend. The one who can save them from sin, Satan and death. Now, we can create those environments. You know, we can be intentional in those rhythms. But hey, um, let me tell you that many of you already have those rhythms. Already have those rhythms. And you can, you can maximise those rhythms. God has put you in a footy club or a cricket club or a playground, or a playgroup, or a work office, or a school pickup zone. Yes, you've got one thing to do there, which is play the sport and pick up the kids and to have fun. But there's another thing that Christ calls you to do, one where he guarantees his active living presence with you, which is to be salt and light and to be one who is looking to make disciples, looking to bear witness to the gospel of grace. Those are places which are already in your life, which you are there again and again and again and again and again and again and again. And every time, maybe you just nudge one step further to just show them Christ at work in you. Now, two things to say about that. First one, yes, it can feel a little bit scary when you're trying to be intentional in creating conversation and seeking to start a relationship. That's okay. We all are wired differently and have a different way of, engaging with the world, that's fine. Like we all don't have to become, you know, relational karate gurus and maestros of this sort of stuff. But one thing that occurred to me about only, only like a year ago, I wouldn't talk to people all the time because I was nervous that when I talked to someone, and this, and this isn't even like evangelism, right? This is just being a nice person, right? I go... Like I would go to like, I just hate big gatherings, you know, with a lot of people in a small room. I just like want to go hide. If I was, a, I just want to turtle up and be like, let me find two people at a table and let's just have a, one small conversation. Anyway, that's just, that's just me. But I was so hesitant to just go up to people and say, hey, how are you going? My name's Louie. What's your name? What brought you here today? I was so hesitant and, and I dialed in. I'm like, why do I freak out? Why do I freak out about that? And I used to think, oh, they'll think I'm an arrogant jerk because I've gone up and said hello. Now, that is genuinely what I thought. I thought, I'm not going to introduce myself. I'm not going to be confident in this moment to say hi because they'll think I'm overconfident and arrogant. I used to think that, and I still, it still scares me. Until I went to this party once, and this guy came up to me, and he's just like, hey, how are you going? My name's Liam. What's your name? What, you know, what brought you today? And It was great. I reflected on that conversation and not once at that party did I think, gee, he was an arrogant idiot. I didn't think that. What did I think? I was like, that Liam guy was really nice. He said hi to me. Sometimes our first step in just telling people about Jesus is resting in our security in Christ knowing that we have the approval of the Father, we don't need man's approval, and then just marching up to people and saying, hi, my name's Louis. What's your name? What brought you here today? And no one yet has said, go away, you arrogant jerk. 
often it's been, oh, he was friendly. So let me encourage you to be friendly and, and don't think the way that I used to think because that's dumb. Um, I, used to think, I was being dumb and I've paid that dumb tax so that you don't have to. The second thing that helps me in this, which I hope it does for you, it's a very simple principle. It's called the stuff it principle. It's called the stuff it principle. Now, the stuff it principle looks like this. Um, you're having a conversation with someone and there's an opportunity to say something of significance or to find out a little bit more or to lean in or maybe invite them for dinner or to, oh, I went to church on Sunday or can I tell you something that's quite significant or whatever. You know, we all know that moment in the conversation of when we can skate on the surface or we can go a little bit deeper. We all know that moment and we all know the moment when we leave the conversation like, yeah, we didn't do it. I chickened out, dang it, I did it again, I chickened out. Okay, this is where you can apply the Stuffit principle. You know what the Stuffit principle looks like? Hey, how are you going? Oh, yeah, all right. Okay, this is the moment. I could ask him about this. I could tell him about this thing. Stuff it, I'll do it. That's the Stuffit principle at work. And let me tell you, the Stuffit principle, it's awesome. It's awesome because it helps us take a risk for Christ. It helps us show love. It helps us be bold. It helps us engage with people on a level that we didn't before. Have those conversations. And when, that little, when those two little devils come across your shoulders and you're like, don't say anything. No, you should say anything. Don't say anything. Be like, stuff it. Cool. Let's go. Stuff it principle. Stuff it principle. I, uh, I love the story of Matt Chandler and how he came to know Jesus. He was in, Matt Chandler, pastor of the Village Church. They're awesome. Uh, great support for us. He was on the football team and uh, he was like in the, the American juniors or whatever. And this big, uh, big African-American bloke came up to him in the locker room with all the boys hanging around with all the boys. And this, this, this big guy came up to him. who's just like, yo, Matt, I've got to tell you about Jesus. Let's find a good time to do that. When do you want to do that? Now, I don't know what your personality is like. That's not me. Maybe there's a few of you that can do that, but I feel like that's a pretty good application of the stuff at principle. <laughs> hey, mate, I've got to tell you about the one that can save you from sin, Satan, and death. When's a good time to do that? The stuff at principle. Some extra reading, podcasting, for us to keep thinking about these things. The first book that I'd like to encourage you towards is. Oh, you got it. The second book. Oh, that's not my notes. Second book I'd love to encourage you towards is called Stay Salt by Rebecca Pippett. That is excellent. It is basically a, a book of her experience and just how she lays breadcrumbs in her conversations. It, it, it really will help you give a language to the way that you speak and live intentionally for Jesus. Uh, Gospel Fluency by Jeff Vanderstelt, a very good book in terms of thinking about the way that we're intentionally living. And then lastly, but certainly not least, The Gospel Comes with a House Key by Rosaria Butterfield, um, a very, very good book on just how being a nice person creates opportunities for eternal relationships, eternal relationships, eternal relationships. 
So church friends, let me conclude with this. It says in Philippians 1 verse 27, let your manner of life, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel. Jesus guarantees his presence for those that are obeying his call to be witnesses. So as we close out our series on the Great Commission, let me say, enjoy it. Enjoy it. Enjoy the journey of taking risks that aren't really risks with Jesus. Enjoy seeing what God does through our humble, meek, weak words. Enjoy seeing how Christ will change you and change others for our good, their good, our joy and his glory. It's the command from Jesus. He is with you. He loves you. Live out the way of life that God has made for you. Every Christian is to be Christ to the unbeliever. Let me pray. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.